0: Hello and welcome to Red Nets, the official podcast of Empire of the Cop. I'm this week's host, Dee Carson, and I'm joined by Farrell Keeling as ever and special guest, Mick Molin from the Copites. Our usual host, Rick, will be back next week. Uh, he's me a little bit busy in an underscores location. Uh, apparently, he's doing some transfer business for Liverpool. So, hopefully, we've got a little update on that next week for you, as um but speaking of uh, potential incumbents for Liverpool, there's quite a bit of fuss about Jeremy Doku at the minute. Two journalists, uh, Pedro Almeida and Sasha Tavalieri, are claiming that Liverpool could be in the market for the Ren attacker um, and that the club are demanding around £40 million for the player. So, I mean, to kick us off, uh, I just want to get some thoughts from both of you on, um, you know, do we need another attacker? Doku has he impressed you what did you think of him at the Euros he was particularly outstanding for me against Italy Um, so I'm just going to go first to Farrell and I just want to get your thoughts on the Doku rumours and do we
1: need another forward yeah definitely I think the Italy one is the one that would stick out in the memory you know he had a decent Euros I think the main sort of comment regarding Doku has been bags and bags of potential but not the end product yet But then these 19 years of age, that kind of comes with the territory, more or less. Um, It then comes to, do we believe that our current front tree can sort of hit the levels of form that we saw in our sort of previous trophy-winning campaigns? If they can, you don't necessarily need someone to come in who who can sort of hit the ground running as Jota did. It it just depends on how much, how confident we are that the likes of, because it's not really sort of Salah we're necessarily worrying about. It's more... Um, your, your Mane and your Firmino um, so yeah it just depends on that sort of our confidence levels on that I, per, I personally think we do need another forward it just then depends on whether we want someone now who can hit the ground running like Jota did or someone who can grow the side for the next four or five years
0: and yeah I, I agree with that there and uh, that we don't necessarily need someone to hit the ground like Jota when we first signed in yeah, but I'm just going to go over to Mick now and just ask you whether you know <laughs> With the likes of Elliott coming through the system, uh, do we need uh, a player? Or maybe you know we could play at the front line. Do we need someone like Doku to come in? Or maybe should we aim a a little bit higher? And also, maybe a comment on the price of about forty million pounds as well.
2: Yeah, I think the prices nowadays are just craziness, isn't it? Like for, like said, he's he's only just turned nineteen, I think, in May, so. I mean like and like you said he did, he did play well in, in the was like, he looks like a top talent he's got that raw pace he's got that agility he's got that directness and in, in the final third that you need and what, what Klopp identifies in a forward player he's got he's, he ticks a lot of those boxes and he I mean if it did come to fruition it wouldn't surprise you because he like I said he has got all those very uh, endearing attributes that we do need at the top end of the pitch but yeah I, th- I think with the Harvey Elliott thing I think he it's quite prominent that Klopp's been playing him in like a um, like a midfield role and I mean you can still play that right side of a three uh, but I think he, he hasn't got that blistering pace like a doku probably has where he can, he can get in behind and he can Show, show him behind and get that ball played through to him And get through I think maybe in a, a few more years Javier they could get into those type of positions But I think now With the game intelligence he's got For such a for such a young player I think him in, in, in a 3 or a, as a 10 Maybe would be better for him But uh, yeah, Doku could be good Yeah, I mean The thing is, that, like I said With the pace thing I think that's one thing we definitely need More of from the bench I mean, you look at the likes of Origi who's, I mean, he's not slow, but he's not quick, is he? I think sometimes he he does look like he's looking a bit laboured or like he can't be bothered. And I mean, I don't know if that's just his style, but it clearly is. He just sometimes just doesn't look completely interested, which is a bit frustrating at times where you see Divac Origi getting stripped and ready to come on off the bench and you're like... Oh, really, can't we? Do it? But then you've got no one else really to kind of fill that void. So, I mean, the only other players you can think of really is like like a Shaq, which, I mean, we're going to come on to in a bit, aren't we? But, I mean, he might be leaving as well. And then you've got Minamino as well, who's done well in pre-season, but also not blessed with that blistering pace, but he's got a bit of game intelligence. He's got that agility. He's got, he takes a few of the boxes that, that Klopp wants, and, and he was a good deal for, what, £7 million. So, it, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me, but the, like the Klopp comments recently, maybe throw all that out of the um, out of the water anyway but yeah we'll see
0: yeah I do think it is interesting that Elliot is playing um, in a midfield role during pre-season I think that certainly is maybe a bit of a not so much a warning to uh, Curtis Jones but I think it'll be something Curtis Jones is certainly thinking about And uh, yeah, you mentioned Zed Ancikiri there. Obviously, at the minute, uh, Liverpool uh, would need to shift a non-homegrown player before they can bring one in. And Doku would be one of those non-homegrown players. Um, Now, Zed Ancikiri has been linked to the move away from Liverpool several times. Uh, There's been some reports in Italy. There's been some reports in France. But the latest one, it seems to be getting a lot of traction because it's been... um, Reported by Le Kip, but it's also been regurgitated by Fabrizio Romano. Um, and it's that a deal is close with Liverpool and Leon Fazer and Shakiri, and that um, the player is now actively pushing for a move. Uh, the only thing is that certainly caught the attention of a lot of Liverpool fans is the price mentioned for Shakiri. Uh, six, seven, eight million pounds is the fee that's being talked about at the minute, uh, which does seem dramatically low so I'm just going to go first uh, to Farrell and I want to get your thoughts on the idea of losing Shaqiri. Um maybe the idea of bringing in a player non-homegrown is that maybe why the fee is so uh, small and then just yeah I mean can we cope without Zeran Shakiri coming off the bench and scoring braces against Manchester United
1: Shakiri's exit I think for me it's quite interesting for a number of reasons as you pointed out with the Asking price, six to eight million pounds is well. There's no, there's no two ways about it. It's dirt cheap for a player of his quality, especially coming off the back of the year as he had for Switzerland. Um, again, I can kind of understand him wanting to go because he's, he's he's almost too good for our bench, but then he's not quite good enough then to to be a, a permanent to be a starter for us. So I understand why he'd want to go, and certainly for the likes of like or Leon, I think he would be a starter. So it, it it then it then comes down to as you brightly pointed out with the non homegrown quotes and like getting them out as quickly as possible, even at the cost of say five or seven million pounds, would go towards freeing up that space to then bringing in either your new midfielder or your new forward. But there's um, bless you One interesting theory I saw on the, on the Twitter sphere, I think, it came from uh, Stephen Drennan, was that selling Shack for such a cheap um, sort of asking price would sort of lend itself very well to building up a relationship with Leon of the kind that we sort of have with, with Leipzig. You know, sort of get in their good books. You know, they produce a lot of really good talent. And if you're on, as I say, if you're on their good books and having that sort of relationship pre-existing would, would then lend itself really well any sort of further dealings in the transfer market maybe not necessarily in this window but more thinking long term because especially if you're competing against say the likes of city and the city group you know if they have have their hands in all kinds of pies you want to kind of have those relationships already in place so you you can to a certain degree counteract what they're doing at these other kinds of clubs with these other kinds of expansive networks
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely an interesting thought process there from uh, Stephen Jenin. Um yeah, I mean, having those relationships with clubs like Leon definitely isn't bad, especially when you look at players like Awa. You know, if you were to have that sort of advantage over the likes of Arsenal and Juventus for a player like that, I mean, that's it's invaluable. Um, so yeah, I, I'll put the, basically I'll put the same question to Mick, and I'll just uh, say, you know, letting Shakiri go for such a you know potentially letting Shakiri go for such a small amount, is it a mistake, or is it too early to tell?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, if if says so is happens and I, yeah we'll all be made up won't we if we if this is like a little a little um throwing a little breadcrumb to them and go yeah there you go but in in a year's time and we want one of your big fellas then sort out out a good deal but uh, yeah which Shaq it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mad one isn't it because he is really a, a a very big conundrum because he's we all know with the quality he's got we all know that he's got that eye for a pass he he, he can score he can he can produce moments of magic but the fitness levels were, were never really there and he maybe would play a few games and then he'd get injured and you'd be like, oh, it's it's, it's Shaq all over again, he's injured again. Like Then you'd wait for him to come back and then he'd produce another moment of magic where he'd play an assistant for Jota and like a, an inch-perfect pass him and, um, and we scored, I think it was against Arsenal, I think it was, I'll, might have been Palace actually, but one of those games where it was quite tight and we needed the goal, and he came and he just popped up with that moment of magic with a little quick one on the edge of the box, and we score from it. So he's got that in the locker, and I think the only thing is like he's thirty in October, and and his contract ends next June, doesn't it? So. It does make sense, maybe to to have a look and see how much we can get from. Him. I mean, the prices that have been bandied about isn't good enough. Especially if we got him for thirteen million, did we? So we're making quite a big loss there on a on a player that you think we should be making. Even if we even if we just recoup the thirteen million that we paid, you'd be like, right, fair enough. Like he, he's a lot older than he was what was it, four years ago when, when we signed him. So there's, he's been, been been here a long time. So that value will obviously depreciate as he, as he gets older anyway. So, um, yeah, I think it's one of them. If, uh, if we didn't have this non-homegrown quota, then I'd definitely consider keeping him around. But if it's, if it's a means to getting someone else in who could be maybe a bit more an attractive option off the bench, who's going to stay fit, who can come off the bench and show a bit of raw pace and... Also, not be demanding a starting position. I think that is the best for both worlds for us because I think, like I said, Shaq is, is probably good enough to start for most teams and in the Premier League bottom half anyway, or maybe maybe top fifteen or whatever in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, I, I think he, he probably it's better for him maybe to go out and and get and get a club where he can be playing. Uh, Pretty much every week, if, if his body allows him to, and um, and we can get some money for him before before. Obviously, we don't want another Genie went out situation. Is what is what I'm getting at, really?
0: Yeah, of course. And I think you're right in saying that security uh, would start for most teams in the Premier League. Uh, certainly, the top fit then the fifth, the bottom fifteen, I should say. Um, you know, comes into question whether it'll start for someone at Leicester, but um. Yeah, I mean it makes sense it makes so much sense for the player to move on. Uh he's he's came to Liverpool, he's he's won the lot, you know. Obviously, you know, barring the FA Cup and League Cup, he's won the lot. He couldn't have done much more and he's played a part in that as well. I think he could leave with his head held high and go on a new adventure. And I think that um I think that would make a lot of sense for the player and club. Hopefully uh, we don't get ripped off. And if we do, it's for good reason and we can sign a Leon star in a few years. Um, But, you know, the main man when it comes to transfers is obviously Jürgen Klopp. He's the man who makes the decisions. Um, And he's came out recently and spoke on the transfers. And I've got a quote here, which is pretty much what he said, but a shortened down version. Uh, Speaking to uh, Norwegian outlet TV2, he said, we have enough uh, you have to sell and spend to buy players. And we don't want to do that. Uh, further on in his comments, he did actually come out and say uh, that something could happen this summer. He's not ruled anything out. Um, but I mean, it's quite interesting. Uh, quite interesting words from the boss, especially with the uh, you know the the window now coming towards the you know, business end of it. Like, uh, I'm just going to go first to Farrell. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Klopp's comments? I know I know you, you wrote an article about this. Uh, what are your thoughts on his comments? Has that closed the door for Liverpool, or is he actually suggesting something could be on the uh, horizon? <laughs>
1: Well, interesting, isn't it? Because if you look at sort of the opening comments from Jürgen, it's, it's almost quite final. It's, you know, we, we don't need any players. We won't be in the, And then you look sort of further down and he's, and he's sort of leaving the door open. You know, he goes, oh, there must be room to make changes. And then so it, it very much sort of follows on with the consistent message of sort of, you know, sustainability, sell to buy, having the space, which very much sort of hints as we sort of talked about just now about Shakira and the non-homegrown quota. So I think he's definitely leaving the door open to the possibility of transfers. But, you know, we know Jürgen, like if it comes comes to the end of August and he's not made any further transfers, he, he'll be very happy with the squad he's got. You know, at the end of the day, that, that starting our strongest eleven is obviously more than good enough to wipe the floor with anyone in Europe and domestically. It's just keeping them fit. But I think I, I would I would genuinely be surprised if we ended the window with only Canate having come in But then it just does depend on us being able to sort of expedite sort of sales, you know, Shaqiri, Uriges, that that kind of band of non-homegrown players.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right in saying as well that we haven't really got much to worry about if we can keep a fit starting eleven. because I do think on our day we could beat anybody. We could probably even wipe the floor with um, FSG's PSG's uh, PSG's new Galacticos team that they've got uh, assembled over in France. Um, I think we'd still have a chance against them. Uh, So, yeah, I'm going to put the same question to you, Mick. Uh, Do you think uh, Klopp's comments is leaving the door open or has he sort of suggested that maybe we might not be looking to do some business this summer?
2: yeah i think klopp has been for a, for a year or two now been quite um guarded in, in regards to most things i think even like when you look at injuries i think in his first couple of years i think he would be like oh yeah they'll, they'll, we'll be out with them for a couple of weeks but now with kind of i don't know if it's his saying or maybe the clubs they don't want to tell everyone too much even the Robo injury it was like he's out for an indefinite amount of time or with the Van Dyke thing, it was the same thing, which I understand because you haven't put pressure on people and whatever. But yeah, I don't know where 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 they stand really with this because I don't know like you said if it it depends on maybe getting a Shaq out the door first and then maybe have they got someone lined up ready with a finger on the trigger ready for when Shaq leaves or someone leaves to go right they're out banged straight back in with a player who can maybe freshen up the squad and I think a lot of this boils down to like social media really and Twitter because I think people do love a brand brand new shiny toy don't they? and I understand new signings Uh, With the world of footy manager and FIFA and whatever else, people do get a bit bogged down in refreshing a squad, and people think that it is quite easy to do. But I I, I don't think people realize just how hard it is to do that, especially when you've got a squad, a first 11 as good as Liverpool's People, players need to think, right, am I going to be able to come in and and, um, fix it? Like maybe get into that that first 11 and and maybe um, freshen it up? And I, I think only there's only a handful of players maybe who would be maybe guaranteed to do that but like you only got to look at the likes of Diogo Jota who came in and there was a lot of question marks about him and thinking maybe can is he good enough to, to come in and, and yeah do something with, with the front three and, and kind of maybe Disband that that group a little bit, and, and yeah, try and put put his worth down to how good he is. and I think he's done that, so I think he, he he can be the shining example for a player who maybe thinks, oh, would am I would I get into that team, or have I got enough quality to get into the squad or whatever else? But yeah, I think it all does depend on on what we do outgoing wise. Unfortunately, I think that's. I mean it's the if it's, it's the FSG model and I think it's also the clock model as well because I think he he likes to get players who, who he can coach and who he can um, make into the players that they are like you've only got to look at most of the signs we've made Robertson and Jotter and Oxley, chamberlain to an extent and yeah just Fabinho like there's players there that you think when we sign them they're, they're good players but you, Mane and, and Salad I haven't even spoke about those two but um, There's players that those players, in particular, when we signed them, you thought these are good players, but what can they be in two, three years' time? And I think Klopp's proven that he's the best in the world at getting that rough diamond and them into a household name and into one of the best in in world football. So it would be a signing like that, like a Doku, who who's shown glimpses of quality, who can who can come in and 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 he can. He likes that. Klopp likes to polish like a, a diamond. He likes to get them into that rough, um, that rough substance and turn them into something special. So, yeah, I'm hoping that if we do get some um, players out the door, maybe a Shack or. I mean, if if it was my if it was my choice, I, I would be get, trying to get a Rigi out the door. I mean, he is a an absolute cult hero and a bit of a legend for the stuff he's done. But I think his time's up. Minamino, I also thought his maybe was as well. But I think in pre-season, he's he's shown that if he wants to stick around, he's got the quality and he's got the he's got a lot of he ticks a lot of the boxes in terms of what we want to do in the in the top end of the pitch. But I think a re- Shaq would be probably the one that looks the most inevitable and I'm hoping that, yeah, finger on the trigger ready to, um, to replace him as soon as possible with the best course of action I think.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think uh, we're all definitely hoping that there's something lined up for the second is out the door. Uh, Granted that that actually does come off, because obviously things can change very quickly. We could end up keeping Chiquiti for a bit longer. Um, and yeah, yeah, of course, um, I think, I think you're, you're spot on in saying that there's definitely a portion, uh, a large portion of football fans now that get really excited by uh, transfer rumours, people that are coming in and stuff. And obviously the way that Liverpool have run under FSG, um, they've been quite tight-lipped. Obviously they weren't always. It, it took Van Dijk's debacle uh, to actually get the club to just really keep things quiet until it was over the line. I remember when Fabinho was transfer, uh, transferred to Liverpool, there was nothing. And then within 48 hours, it went from rumours to him standing at Melwood. You know, it was unbelievable. I think it's probably the way that the club should be run these days. Um, certainly the opposite of what it's like in Italy, where like, they'll be quite open with transfer rumours and they'll even show footage of players going through medicals before it's all been agreed. Imagine if we did that. A few years ago, with Nabil Fekir, uh, were uh, doing that with the medical, and then he fails it. It'd be a nightmare. Um, but yeah, one uh, more important thing that happens uh, typically during the transfer window, but obviously it can happen at any point of the um, of the calendar year. Is contract renewals. We've seen a few recently. Uh, Trent Alexander Arnold, Alison Fabinho. um but a report in the Sunday World claims that Liverpool are ready to break the club's wage limits of 200,000 pounds per week for Virgil van Dijk and Mohamed Salah. Um, now obviously, there's no denying that they are two of the best players in the world. Uh, van Dijk is certainly the best player in his position in the world, in my opinion. Um, but I am right. Um, you know. In, in a world where, you know, players are getting this astronomical wage, obviously we've got we've got two of the best players in the world there. Uh, I'm just going to go to Faddle, uh, first and foremost, and just, you know, is this the right thing to do? Is this the way football's going, that you've got to keep players happy by making sure they get these kind of bumper wages that they would be able to pick up from the likes of PSG and Man City?
1: Within reason, yes, I think absolutely. I think we've seen, you know, there is... Without a doubt, a correlation between keeping your best players at the club for as as long as is possible. Obviously, you kind of have to toe the line. When you're a club like Liverpool, you know it's not. So it's not. We're not in the same situation as sort of City and Chelsea. You can sort of use these players up until they're 34, 35, and then just sort of go oh, off. Off you go, and you know we'll still have the money behind us to bring in more big money moves. But so we have we have to toe the line, as I say, for sustainability in terms of you know. Make, making the most of their best years, but still leaving room for clubs to sort of come in and sort of see the value in bringing them on and sort of using them for the remaining two or three years. Um, in terms of Salah and Van Dyke, I think it certainly makes a lot of sense to break the wage barrier for those two specific players. You know, as we've seen certainly since Van Dyke's come on board, he's completely, utterly changed um, sort of our fortunes. Um, as has obviously Alisson to a certain degree um, but if you're looking specifically at last season I think Mo Mo was the one the one player I think that was sort of near single-handedly sort of keeping us in contention at the top four spots and if you look at me you know, I know he's 29 and the concern is what what's he going to be like beyond 31 when his contract runs out in two years time but I, it does look like one of those sort of specific class of players that you think could potentially squeeze more of their best years out themselves for like beyond 31, 32, 33 maybe potentially even beyond that depending on how well he looks after himself um, but then it obviously comes down to how long the club are prepared to gamble on his, his best years I think for me personally I, I'd be more than happy to keep him on board till 2025 and then see what happens there <laughs> No, I absolutely agree.
0: (laughs) To 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 keep the best players in the world, you've got to pay them the wages that they deserve. There was an interesting article by Melissa Reddy in the Independent earlier today, uh, which was talking about the situation around Lionel Messi. There's been some suggestions from pundits that you know Messi could have perhaps stayed at Barcelona and played for minuscule wages, so they so Barcelona could force through uh, whatever they needed to do with the league in Spain, Um, and you know melissa's uh, melissa reddy's argument was that it's quite selfish to actually think like that he's one of the best players in the world he should be in a wage that you know he warrants uh, and it's selfish to think any other way around it and you know to to a degree i i, I, I do agree and you know when it comes to the best players in the world, they need to be up there in the higher wages. It's, it's just the way it works. If they don't earn the wages they, think they deserve, they'll go somewhere else. If they don't get the contract they want, they'll go somewhere else. We've seen it with Alden. The issue was with years on the contract as opposed to wage, but he went to somewhere that were willing to give him what he wanted. So just basically the same question to Mick, to be honest, Um, you know, the wage structure at Liverpool has been in place for so long; it stopped us from bringing in some high-profile players in the past. Um, but the idea of breaking it for Virgil van Dijk and Mo Salah does seem like it makes sense, doesn't it?
2: Definitely, definitely makes sense for the, for those two in particular. Who've, like Farrell said, like Mo Salah is <clears throat> the numbers that he's put up in in the four years at his, at the club is just you, you couldn't have even begin to fathom that when, when he when he joins like 44 and <clears throat> 44 goals in his first year and then 27, 23 and then 31 in in, in the other three. It's just it, it's it's ridiculous for a for right winger to be getting those numbers and, and he is that a big part of the reason why we've got recouped those trophies that we haven't in, in, in the last couple of years. So him and Van Dyke and obviously Van Dyke's yeah like, like you said the, he's, he's the best in the world by a long way. And I mean even if he's been out for a long time with injury and it's gonna take him Maybe a few a few weeks or months to get back to that hundred percent and to um, cement himself as as the number the number one the defender in the world again. But he is even now you can just in, in preseason like those long raking balls over the top, and he's just he's just a unit. But he's also just a presence. Like having him there, it's like having just like a comfort blanket. Like he, people know in midfield, and they know. The, Allison knows how Van Dijk's there he'll do it and I mean we can't he's not going to be there forever but the fact that we have brought in Canate nice and early and we can we can bed him into the squad and we can strike up those partnerships and, and mould him into I mean he's already looking very good at the moment but he can be he can be one of the best in the world in two or three years as well so hopefully he can take um, Verge's throne when, uh, when God forbid he leaves but yeah these players are getting unfortunately to the wrong side of the 30 so I understand like FSG's model in terms of not wanting to break in or maybe not wanting to go too high because then maybe it sets a set of president for everyone else to kind of go well he's on this I want to at least be 75% of that or I want to be 60% of that because I've, I feel like I've proven my worth or whatever and yeah it's I think footy's just yeah it's going mad isn't it like PSG can just oh, 700 700k or whatever is, 650k for Messi and it's like the money they can spend is just ridiculous. And and it, it's it makes it unfair for everyone else because then you can look, you can do those little side glances at those teams and, and players probably do do it and go, well, this player is getting 250K and I'm twice the player of him. So why am I getting this play, this amount? Would I I could go there, take his position in the team and get twice as much money as he is? So I understand the thinking. And I mean, it comes down to, again, the the Klopp, um, scouting methods and I think a lot of it does go into what type of a person the player is as well and are they gonna be seeking high demands? Are they gonna be yeah a bit of a, a bit of a menace in and around the training ground? I think a lot of that comes into it that they're not gonna be going right one after one year I want to meet wage to be doubled. So I think a lot of time is spent in trying to get these players who are happy with with a wage that is still really good in comparison to the average Joe working an average job, so uh, yeah, with Virgin Salad, that's that, that's a no brainer for me. I mean, another one that I definitely want to get of is Jordan Henderson because I know he's he's 31 now, I think so. I understand the, the hesitancy, I'd say, but I mean, I've spoke to like Paul Gorse from the Echo recently, and he, he thinks that it's like a storm in a teacup, he thinks it's just like the off season, the Henderson's camp I think and maybe we can try and get some more money out of it but Jordan Henderson doesn't strike me as the person who'd rock the boat I mean he's the, he's the talisman and he has been for a long time and 10 years of the club so I imagine that'll get sewn up and I hope it does because having that uncertainty, uncertainty around your captain going into a season where we do need to, a fast start I think is paramount so I'm hoping that one gets sorted as soon
0: as possible as well yeah, of course. So Jordan, and this situation uh, definitely needs to be resolved uh, just for the sake of all the fans and all the players around him as well. The last thing you need is uncertainty over your captain's future. Um, and I think you're right in saying as well that he's not the kind of character that's going to be kind of a fuss or it like that. He's going to want to get this sorted as soon as possible. And, you know, I, I, like yourself, I'm quite confident and I hope as well that it will be sewn up uh, quite soon. Um, now, what we've been speaking about 20 minutes there about football-related things. Um, And it is pre-season, obviously, so transfers do dominate. Um, But there has actually been some football played recently uh, at Anfield, no less. So I think we should probably spend some time talking about the football. Um, Liverpool played two pre-season fixtures against uh, two Spanish sides in two days. It was uh, Athletic Bilbao in the first game, uh, which was a 1-1 draw. Uh, Diogo Jota scored the goal for Liverpool. And we took on Osasuna following day. It was a 3-1 win for Liverpool. Um, Firmino scored a brace, and it looked like Minamino scored the opening goal, but it was actually chalked down as an own goal. Um, but in my heart, I'm still going to give it a Tacky. Um, so, there was a few outstanding players in in, in the games for me. Um, no, obviously, Simakas was fantastic, obviously. Uh, Bobby Firmino, outstanding as well. Uh, Takimi Minamino, you can't fault him. The man's like a machine he ran non-stop the entire time he was on the pitch uh, and in the first game as well against Athletic I thought you know the players were quite impressive they seemed to be seriously boosted in the first half by the presence of the fans they were unlucky to only be uh, to only get one goal um, but yeah I'm just going to get basically your thoughts Fano, on first and foremost the game against Athletic Bilbao what did you think of that obviously I think we were quite unlucky to not win that game uh, 1-1 draw and uh, also the same against Asasuna. Um, we won 3-1 in that game. Uh, any standout players for
1: you? Um, well, I think, again, um, we're all tired, <laughs> all tired of me to, uh, blagging on about him, but definitely Harvey Elliott. <coughs> really sort of, <coughs> pardon me, yeah, really, really very impressive, again, in that midfield role. I think it's almost surprised Klopp to an extent. I think... Obviously, you've seen him with experimenting with Alex osso in the uh, number nine role, while Firmino was away. I think, you know, Elliot's taken to that midfield position like fish to water. You know, he's, he's clicked really well with the front three ahead of them. He sort of very much understands already sort of how to sort of time his runs. Um, you know, sort of the tactical demands under that system in terms of the pressing. Very impressive, but very mature. I think, I know at the start of the season, I think we were all after that campaign and the championship, thinking, OK, he's going to get some minutes in our cup games. We're not going to send him out on loan again, probably unlikely. And then he's had that pre-season and it's sort of, I think it's changed obviously a lot of the fans' minds on him. It's changed the coaching team's minds and I think it'd be, I'd be very surprised at this point if we don't see a lot more of Javier than we initially expected at the start of pre-season. Um, again, as you rightly pointed out, Jota has just looked absolutely phenomenal. In fact, I think Jota and Mane in particular are really up for it this season I think it, it says it says a lot that you know obviously has come back he's, he's bagged a brace he's looked utterly you know ready for the season proper and we're still sort of talking about okay it's going to be sort of Salamani Jota Jota really realistically starting against Norwich um, moving on to Asasuna I think Minamino has been a, an interesting one as well I think uh, obviously Mick who touched on him as well I think he's, he's been really sort of a surprise package because it's we've got this really bizarre situation where he's almost been something of a forgotten man but then he's obviously not really been at Liverpool long enough to be realistically considered in that respect but he's really sort of comes out he's really sort of come out guns blazing I think a moment that really sort of sticks out for me personally I think in the Otisuna was I think it was that overhead ball from Canate and he's sort of being pressed as he's as moving into, into the, the box and he's you know, Minamino of last season would have been completely bowled over by the, by the you know defender of that, in that situation. But he, you know, he sort of he seems to have built himself up a bit. You know, he's got a bit of strength. You know, he could sort of you know ultimately it didn't end it didn't end in the goal, sadly. But I think what's really impressive is he, he seems to have taken that last season as a lesson and sort of built himself up to be more prepared for the upcoming campaign, sort of the pressures of it. So Minamino could be a really surprise package for us. I'm not so sure. In, enough to the point that we don't need to bring in a new forward if there are funds remaining and, you know, if we've made enough sales to facilitate that. But I think, yeah, definitely a few of the standouts for me would definitely have been um, Elliot, Minamino, uh, Jota, and obviously kaita to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah. I think you're spot
0: on there, mentioning the, the strength that Minamino showed. Uh, I've certainly noticed these. Uh, watching him it's, it's exhausting watching him because he just runs for the entire time he's on the pitch it's crazy but yeah he does look like he's a bit more of a physical presence than he was last year that moment uh, the Canate over to Minamino obviously Liverpool's Twitter accounts and other social media profiles have shared that video and rightly so it's uh, it's it's a nice little and uh, yeah they would have made a big goal it was a good save by the goalkeeper though um, Kaita as well looks like he's uh, bulked up in the off-season uh, Trent as well looks a little bit like you know he spent uh, a bit of time on the weights so um Mick <laughs> any players stand out for you any players that you've noticed look like they've been hitting the gym a bit more
2: it's too easy to say Simicass and it? it's the after after uh, your big big up of him last time but no nah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah like Fado said there's a, there's a load there like I'm like Harvey Elliott I'm so happy that he's he's came in and he's <sighs> going into that midfield role which has maybe surprised a few because uh, I mean he, he, he did play there a few times for, for Blackburn but people do kind of see him as a, as that right right side forward which I understand because he's left footed that you're, you you often get just pinged out there because those inverted wingers now and um he, he can play that role because he's got I mean that one clip and I think it was against the, um, Osasuna where he cuts in and then hits the hits the bar or hits the post. I don't, know, I don't know if it was a bit of both actually but that skill that, he's, that he's, he produced there was just I think dropping the ocean in terms of what he can produce and I think it's probably not right to put too much pressure on him because I think he just turned 18 in April didn't he? So he's still a very young kid but he's the maturity and his football intelligence is just way beyond that. Like you can just see he's got an eye nice for sort the of pass. He's too two or three passes ahead and for someone who's just 18 it's it's absolutely mesmerising to be honest I, I can't believe he, how good he is but I'm hoping he'll come in and and I mean, even like a bit part role I think because obviously he's a boy at Red, so he's, he's probably happy to just stick around and and have those maybe 20 minute cameos 10 minute cameos here and there where he can come off the bench and if he produces during those moments then he's well within his right to be banging on the club's door going well give me a start next week or whatever which he probably wouldn't do but I mean Psychologically, he'll be doing that. I imagine with on the on the field, showing how, how good he is because he's got that quality in abundance. We've even seen that just even in the preseason, we've seen how good he is. But yeah, Simicast looks good. Obviously, the, the injury to Andy Robbo was a a massive blow, but I think it's kind of perfect that Simikas has been playing quite a lot of the games, and obviously Robbo came back a bit later, so Costas to have a few few games where he could pick up a bit of form, and he's looked really good, like the little one-two for for Bobby's goal and the um. It was it the in the game it Was just like I mean it, it looked easy But that is like That needs to be spot on The ball into Bobby And Bobby knew Where, where he was going to put it That's like setting it up perfectly for the season like it's better to get those things I mean it's better to get them wrong in pre-season but to get them right and to kind of build on from that ready for the season is even better to get strike up those partnerships and I think he's a he's a big uh, character in and around the, the squad as well I think he, he's he got that uh, hashtag Greek scouter which I think everyone's pe- picking up on and just like running with it but I think if he can stay fit this season, and I mean, we need him to, I mean, at least the first three or four weeks of the season, or, or, or up until at least after the international break, when we play Leeds, we need, we need him to stay fit. And I mean, he showed that he, he's more than an able deputy and, and we can rely on him. But uh, yeah, other the players, like, like Farrell said, Jota, I mean, I'm really excited to see what he's going to produce. And I think a big thing, especially for Jota and, and Minamino as well, like this came in and, and into the club in quite a weird circumstance with with no fans in the stadium. I think that's one thing that people maybe overlook when you you look at a player that wants to. I mean, with Thiago, was it maybe slightly different because he's so experienced and it probably didn't phase him as much. Where no fans in the stadium, he can get on with it because he's played everywhere, he's played in every stadium, he's, he's used to it. But with Jotted and, and Minamino, I think that promise of playing in front of the cop and, and and having. Those moments where you maybe produce a bit of skill and you get it, you get clapped off, and <clears throat> it all accumulates in the brain, and that that kind of can set you on the, the the path for a bit of good form. And I think not having that, and then obviously I mean, Taki got shipped out on, on loan because I think maybe he wants a few more minutes, and he's done quite well for Southampton. I think those little things you kind of don't look at in terms of a big thing, but I think they are, and I think. This season, with, with with certainly with fans back in the stadium, I think we can expect expect better things from, from both of them. I mean, Mataki's like we see, we've seen he's, he's really good, and like you said, he, he's, he looks like he has bulked up a little bit as well, which is even even better because we don't want him getting bowled over in in those positions where where it, maybe where a man is, and he definitely doesn't ever get bowled over. He's always strong, isn't he? So yeah, I'm excited. There's a lot of players I'm excited to see, but I think it's that. Um, people want to see new players come in and, but I'm hoping that the, the, these players that we've got maybe on the periphery the likes of the he- Elliot and the likes of Minamino can come in and, and show what they're, they're all about this season and maybe just put like a bit of a put a, a stamp, stamp down on on, on, what, on what they can do and, and um, what, what, what they can produce for us
0: going forward Yeah, no I, th- I think that's a really interesting comment about the prospect of players like Jota who, you know not really experienced downfield crowd uh, now he's he's experienced it in in season a little bit but that's going to be a taste of what it's going to be like, like a best game and you could see how much it meant to him as well when he celebrated that goal with the fans it was just and the same as well with thiago when he first got the chance to play with the fans obviously it was abroad but he he, he loved it and it, yeah i think i think it's a really big thing and and interesting that you say about um uh, assist um it, it did look like it came straight off the training ground and um, it looked like something they'd done before and it was from the training grounds to, uh, to the touchline. And speaking about uh, touchlines, there's a man who was quite active on the touchline at the start of last season, less so in the second half of last season, and that's Frank Lampard. And he's been speaking about Liverpool, uh, less abuse at Jürgen Klopp this time, uh, but more talking about Liverpool's title hopes for the coming season. He was talking about the fact that we had so many injuries last term, and he said he thinks that it costs Liverpool you know, a run of the title. But he believes with a fully fit squad going forward this season, Liverpool are going to be back in the mix. He also believes Manchester United are going to be in with the mix as they made some smart signings this summer, obviously. So we he did mention that too. So he believes that Liverpool are going to be mounting a title challenge. And, you know, surely, Farrell,
1: he's right in saying that. No fair play to him. I think, you know, obviously, barring, you know, the loss of Alden the summer you, you're looking at that sort of our strong again as we said our strongest 11 is more than good enough to you know to battle out against any side any top side in Europe I think that's that's never been in question what has always been in question as has been highlighted by the last season is injuries you know if we can go through that entire season and keep the in injuries to an absolute minimum you, you'd back you'd back Liverpool to be in contention for the title for the Champions League it's just that one Awful question is whether we can last the season and not stay in massive injuries or, or worst case in our massive injuries in one position that was as was the case last term. Um, it's interesting, you know, as, as you both touched on with, with fans in particular, because I'm reminded of um, comments Tiago made when he was talking about how important playing in front of a crowd was for South American players in particular. And obviously as, as a club, you know, we, you know, we're built on that connection with the fans they were very much to, to a certain degree, you know, reliant on it. You look at some of the, the, the clashes we had last season, you think if we'd had like a full, fully packed Anfield there, you know, w- would we have had sustained these one nil these awful one nil losses? And I just, I can't, I can't see it. I'm, you know, obviously I don't, I think injuries to a certain extent would have kept us out of contention for the, the title, but I think we'd have had a much easier route through to top four. And potentially, it would have gone further in, in you know, Champions League. But it, it, it is what it is. It's great to have the fans back, and you can see it's already made a difference, particularly in the you know, Minos game, as we've seen most recently against Osasuna. So I think, yeah, I'd absolutely, absolutely back Liverpool to be you know, in contention for the title at the very least if we can avoid major injuries. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Like you said you said earlier in the podcast that
0: our starting eleven is, you know, up there with the, the best elevens in the world of football. And yeah, absolutely. If we can avoid injuries, we are we're flying. Um, and with fans back in the stadium as well, I think you're right to touch upon that again there. Um, there was a report, I, I don't know the exact statistics, but it was uh, by Dominic King in the Daily Mail. And as I said, I don't know the statistics, but it's a quick Google search if you want to look for it. Um, saying that Liverpool and Everton were the worst affected teams in the Premier League uh, when it came to fans not being present. So I think that's, that's a very interesting thing and it's something that both Liverpool and Everton can look forward to this season coming. So yeah, mech um, Basically, the same question to you. Do you think Liverpool, with a fully fit squad, uh, can mount another title challenge this season? And, you know, are we going to dominate Europe once more?
2: I hope so. Uh, Yeah, I I think it's people are getting a bit worried about that that like I said, that depth, that 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 quality <clears throat> depth that that maybe we haven't got the likes of obviously City were already a force anyway. Then they go out and spend hundred million on Jack Realish, who is one of the is one of the better players in in the league. And it was a bit annoying to see that. And then you see Man United sign Sancho and I think Varane's are nearly tied up as well. So two really strong signs there. But if like like Fowl said, if we can keep our first eleven fit. Got absolutely no qualms about how far we can go in both of the, of the top two competitions, the Champions League and the Premier League. I think um, with Van Dijk and Gomez back and Matic back and uh, missed Hendo for a big portion of last season as well, um, we can yeah we can be as good as we want to be. And I think with fans like I said, fans back in the stadium, like it's no coincidence that was it like sixty eight games unbeaten was it at Anfield we were up until that Burnley game. I think that's literally there's your answer I, I, that those, like you said followed those um, very very hard to watch defeats the six in a row was at Anfield last year don't think any of those happen if, if there's even a portion of Anfield in there, even if there was 10k in there I still believe that we may be Get a draw out of them, them or uh, at least avoid defeated in some way, or even maybe sneak a win. But yeah, having the fans back, and it is like a bit of cliche, but it is literally the twelfth man. I think, like you said, Steve. Uh, I did see that that piece by Dominic King where he's like Everton and Liverpool the most affected, I think yeah it's because that, that's like it's like an extra it's like an extra body on the field because I mean we have been to some park and you see how vociferous they are in the support and, they, and I think sometimes the negative for Everton, I think sometimes because they're that they're that passionate sometimes they go over the edge and it does maybe have a negative effect with it I think with Liverpool even if we go one nil down you never walk along get sung straight away it, there's always there's always that backing and it's that it gives you, even if it's one or two percent, it gives that little boost. And I think, like I said before, with the players, the likes of Taki, the likes of Jota, the likes of Thiago, we haven't experienced that yet. From what they were last year, we can see we can only see an increase in, in, in their performances I think based on that and I think yeah I'm hoping that it's literally going to be the perfect storm that we've got these players back we've said Canate nice and early who looks like a beast in pre-season looks like he's going to be a really good player for, for the club got fans back in the stadium and um, I mean if like we said if, if we sell a Shaq or we get someone else in as well then all the better for us and I think we can definitely mount a challenge in in both of those but I understand like people Maybe getting a bit frustrated with, with with business elsewhere, and maybe Chelsea signing Lukaku was, and you're like, oh god, that's a great signing. And but you've just got to look. Like, I think Fabinho did an interview recently, didn't he, where he said like, um, we don't look at what other teams do, and we, we we've got this club and this this squad has won two of the big trophies in world football. So why can't we go and do it again? So I mean, that's that's that's
0: fair point, isn't it? When you when you look how how good the, the squad is and how good the first eleven is. <laughs> Yeah, well, the squad, I think your uh, comments are really important because um, the squad that we've got, they're just a big group of mates. They probably feel like they can take on anyone in the world and they have done before and, and I'm sure they will do again. It's interesting that you, you talk about Goodison Park there and sometimes our um, a negative atmosphere can have a negative impact on, on the players. And that's hopefully something we'll see this coming weekend when Liverpool are finally in Premier League action again against Norwich City and that's not a slant at Norwich City fans that's just the hope that we're going to beat us um, so yeah Liverpool back in Premier League action it's been it's been a wait it's been a you know we're going to have stadiums more or less full again um, it's going to be great to see and yeah you know it's it's we're, we're hoping to get the season off to a bang it'd be great Um at City, we probably couldn't have asked, respectfully, we probably couldn't have asked for a much better opposition to start our first game of the season, certainly away from home is not ideal, you'd love to be at Anfield, but you know, fans back in the stadium, I I think our players really didn't get a boost from just seeing Norwich's fans, to be honest with yeah. you, um, so switch things up a little bit, I'm going to go first to you Mick, um, any sort of starting 11 players that... Maybe not everyone would be expected to start. Obviously, Alisson will probably start. You know, you're looking at um, Salah and Marnie, they're going to be starting, of course. But maybe who's going to be playing centre half, left back? You know, are there any changes in the team that you do? And then if you could round your answer off with prediction for the scoreline, please.
2: Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's these type of problems you want, isn't it? When you're looking at like centre half and you're going, oh, God, like the Klopp comments um, saying that. Van Dijk and Gomez are both back in contention for that. I mean, he did then go on to say something like, "But you wouldn't want to bring them on to then bring them off, or to, or start them to bring them off, because obviously center half you don't want really to be messing with that in game." So it would surprise me if either of them started. To be honest, I think he probably will go with Canate um, and Matip, and even if that's our second string in inverted commas, how good of a second string is that? Like six foot five, four and six foot five both. Both beastie uh, we've we know how good Joel Matip is on his day. Like when he's when he's on it, he's one of the best in the world. So got no qualms about that. And Kanate looks like he's settled in like, like a duck to water. So I that's ideal. Uh Allison in and goal, obviously. Um played I think he played really well in the um was it the Bilbao game he was involved in, I think. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, I think he done. He made a few good, solid saves in that one. I think he had done really well, so that was nice to see. Uh, obviously, Simacast uh, is going to come in at left back. Hopefully, he can um, he, he can do well as well. Obviously, like you said, with Trent as well. Steve, it looks like he's put on a bit more muscle. Looks like he's um, he's um, he's he's ready to go. And I, I I don't know with midfield. I think that's going to be a tricky one because I mean Harvey Elliott. I would love him to start, but I, I just can't see it maybe for this one I mean if it was at home maybe maybe I would be more inclined to see it but away from home I think Fabinho's got to start obviously uh, <clears throat> and you've got Kater who's done really well I think he will start as well and then it's a case of if he goes I mean there's Hendo there's Thiago and then there's um, there's Oxlade-Chamberlain as well so I mean there's a lot of options there and Eve. Either that he picks, whatever variation, you can't really complain because Ox and Cater have been really good in pre-season. Obviously, we've only seen Thiago and Henderson for a brief period. Fabinho goes in there by default because he's the best in the world and without him, we're way weaker. So there's a lot of variations there, which is nice, which we didn't have last year. Same again with centre-half. We were like getting into the 20s with centre-half so And so in uh, front three, I think that's another, there's another question mark there because I mean, last year we were trying to, figure out how to get all four of them into start, the starting 11. I think we might see that again this season, but um, yeah, I think he, I just think he'll go the try and tested, and I think maybe Jotter on the bench and Bobby uh, Salah and Mane to start, especially away from home. I think if it was at home, maybe slightly different and go maybe a slightly more attacking, but away from home with Norwich, uh, against Norwich with, with fans in the stadium. I mean, they've signed some good players as well. So it's not going to be, I mean, we could have, like you said to the respectfully, we, we, we couldn't have really picked a better start, but they're gonna be up for it. Fans back on the stadium. They've signed they Rashika from Verder Bremen. They've got Billy Gilmore on loan from Chelsea who we've seen is he's, he's a talented youngster. So there's gonna be a lot of bites in, in that midfield and there's gonna there's got maybe got a, a point to prove from their point of view. They're playing coming up against Liverpool, they're gonna to wanna to go, right? Let's let's make a bit of a statement here and if they nick a one one draw or whatever, that's a, that's a great start for them. So yeah, in terms of scoreline, I'm. I'm honestly, I'm hoping we just blow them away because I think. I mean, I've read something on the BBC website today where all the pundits were given their like one top four predictions, and I don't think one of them picked Liverpool. I think maybe two picked Liverpool for seconds, but most were third and fourth. And I was just reading it, going. Crack on, honestly, crack on. Like writers off at your pedal. That, that's the. I'm happy with that because I, I I think I'd be more disappointed if they were going. Yeah, Liverpool might be a force here. I'm happy to be underdogs. Like we when we're touted as underdogs, I think we we thrive and that's where we're at our best. So. Yeah, write us off at your pedal, But um, I'm hoping we, um, we we go to Road And absolutely blow them away I, I mean, I'd take a 1-0 I'd take a 1-0 OG To be honest But <laughs> I think we do need to go there Maybe maybe make a bit of a statement And, and go all guns ablaze And then maybe like 2 or 3-0 or, And keep a nice clean sheet For Carte's debut Would be the perfect way to start I think Yeah, no, absolutely
0: I'd take a 1-0 goal right now If you offered it to me But yeah um... <laughs> Yeah, no, I think you're right as well in terms of the team selection. It's a case of whether whether um, Klopp chooses to start Van Dijk and Gomez. He's treated them both the same in preseason. So I imagine if he's going to start one, he'll start both. And if he's going to start if he's going to keep one back, he'll keep both back. So I think the back four picks itself, because obviously Simakas has played himself into contention, uh, especially with uh, Robertson out injured. Uh, I think midfield, like you say, Fabinho and Keita are pretty much nailed on. I think uh, especially with the... Um, you know, obviously, Thiago had some fitness problems uh, over the summer. And Henderson, um, he's back. You know, He played for England over the summer, but obviously... He doesn't seem to be a hundred percent fit, so obviously there's who's he going to pick for that other spot there. I can see why Elliot comes into you thinking, um, but yeah, Farrell, I'm now going to go to you and ask you the same question: Is there anyone to start at eleven that you think maybe we have got a few things wrong there? And, uh, yeah, what do you think the scoreline will be? <laughs> I
1: was just listening to Mick like, listing all our options, and like when you actually look at it, and you look, especially in midfield, you know, you think, well on the, on the surface it seems that like we've got a lot of depth uh, but then you've obviously got to look beyond the surface level look at the stats and you realize well there's a lot of injury prone injury prone uh, players in the mix um but in terms of the the back four i think as you i think you've both hit the nail on the head i think if he's not going to start either one of van Dyke or gomez i think they'll both be on the bench i think it's pretty we can sort of pretty safely predict it's going to be a centre back partnership with Matip and Canate, and then sort of usual suspect of right back, and then Simi uh, jumping in for Robbo. Midfield, I'm have with Mick on this one. I think, you know, I'd love to see Elliot start off the back of his pre season, but I just think it's it's not at handfield. I think Klopp's going to be a slightly more cautious. Fabinho kaito is going to be bolt on. I sort of like scribbled down. I think I, I reckon James Milner could start that one. Because I, I know that's I know you know people points out, oh, he's you know thirty thirty five. You know, there's younger legs you can use. But I, I'd be very surprised if Klopp didn't opt for that sort of experience and safety in midfield. Um, up front, I reckon I reckon he'll start Jota. I know it's a risk, but I, I reckon if he's going to have Milner in midfield, I think he'll take a bit of. They'll have a bit of a bit more risk up front. So I think it'll be Mano, Salah, and Jota up front. And as for score line, I'll tell you it's, it's one it's one of those games you could see there being a lot of goals. Um, but I I'd bite your hand off for a one-nil just to start off the season race. Right? Um, oh score prediction. Um, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna go. I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll say a 3-1. Hope I don't live to regret that. <laughs>
0: I like the optimism. Um, yeah, I think I think I think we're all right in saying that. I take a one nil right now because the first game of the season, anything can happen. Um. Yeah, I think uh, I think the starting eleven talk. I think we've, we've pretty much got it right there. I think the big decisions come in that third midfield spot, whether Van Dijk and Gomez start, and also does Jota maybe get a chance in the starting eleven? I think uh, I think a James Milner shout. Not one I actually thought of beforehand. I think that's a really good shout. I can, I can see that being the uh, I can see that being the case, especially needing uh, a leader on the pitch especially if Van Dyke is uh, deemed not fit and um, well yeah I think that is all we've got time for this week Uh, social links for all three of us including our guest Mick Moran will be listed on the article that you are listening to this from Um, so thanks to Farrell and Mick for joining me this week and thank you for listening